Oh my god. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get the gender. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I have it too. I'm, I'm like, ah. I'm just weird like that. That's what I told you, cousins. But they just don't know. My name is Jose Olivares. My name is Shit. Uh, oh, El Bacuch. Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Let's no, keep it rolling. But listen, everybody. My name is John. And uh, as we're going to talk about, you know, revealed the name a little too uh, quick. Go know. ahead. So introduce yourself to the good people. Hi, my name is. Don't feel bad. Um, my name is, uh, my name is What's My Name? AKA, <laughs> what's my motherfucking name? AKA, say my name, say my name. AKA, don't, <laughs> AKA, when nobody's around you. AKA, <laughs> say baby, I love you. AKA, if you ain't running game. AKA, this is a Barnes. Yes. Wow. Uh, welcome everybody to the Poetry Gods. We are coming at you live from the Casa del Pesto. You know what I'm saying? We left the hummus emporium for the time being. We are live from the Casa del Pesto. As always, if you find the Casa del Pesto, uh, just tell them uh, hashtag the Poetry Gods and you'll get 50% off your yeah. first order. You'll get a free bottle of rum. And for the you know record, you'll also be sent away. <laughs> for the record, there will be a restraining order against you. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> uh, but we are live from Brooklyn. We got Mish in the building and our very yes. special guest today. Aziza, you want to tell the people who are guests? Oh my is? god. So this is um, an incredible writer, an incredible fiction writer and Ooh. poet. One of my close friends. Um, she's magical. And yes. her name is Desiree Bailey. Let's Woo. give it a yeah. All the way from Queens. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, All the way. Yes. You know, Desiree doesn't just write poems, Desiree writes fiction, but she's just weird like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's just weird. I don't know how it happens, it just kind of happens. I'm just weird. I'm just multi talented. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, it's weird sometimes, I'll just like maybe write a song. You know what I'm saying? As you can tell, we're gonna have a lot of fun today, uh, and, and we're gonna we're gonna dive we're gonna dip our toe back into the land of unpopular oh, opinions. Nervous. You know what I mean? Last I, I time was our most controversial episode I by so. far. Yeah, I think so. You know, contentious. Jose famously declared Nas the best rapper of all time. <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt it very deeply within me. Oh, I had man. to say that. And uh, yeah, to, to kick us off, I think oh, Aziza Barnes gonna gonna yeah. set us off. You know, it's funny. I, I still don't fully have like a fully formed, concise, unpopular opinion. Um, but I I am interested in the challenge we were talking about earlier to keep it in like poetry world, poetry mm. landia, mm. an unpopular opinion I have. Fuck. I okay, so it's something around open mics that I have opinions about All that right. might be unpopular. I like the open mics. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Okay, so 
it's, it's fucked up because like as a person as a poet where I am now I wouldn't be nowhere without the open mic but I'm always very mindful about the fact that I deeply hate open mics like I, I hate them I hate them so much like I I've had a lot of very terrible experiences at open mics also a lot of fun but like especially when and this probably isn't all that unpopular but i feel it unpopularly in myself because i want to be generous enough to say like patricia was talking about in our a few episodes few, yeah. you know i want to be like that i want to she stays with the whole fucking shit she stays from the begin from before the beginning till after the end yeah. you know what i mean she features at the new eurekan stays for the slam then the break happens the crowd clears out and she stays for the open stage until like three at twit wow. girl love you know what i'm talking you know about because she wow. and you know like that stamina i really would love to mm-hmm. have yes. i would also love to have the patience to listen to people for that long and it makes me feel real shitty that like i don't <laughs> like, <laughs> or interest or compo- like that a lot of the time like i work really hard to like fend off people you know mm-hmm. I, I take in so much of their stuff and house mm-hmm. it and I remember like some open mics going like going to open mics of people curated by people I love but there'd be just like I, I every time I would think like what lunacy am I about to step into like this this will not be good I come into open mics thinking this will not be good and so when something is incredible I'm like fuck that I'm I'm happy to be wrong thank you right. you know what I mean I'm I I have no problem with being proven wrong at the open mic I also know I wouldn't be anywhere I am now without the open mic yeah. without someone generously listening to me or even someone listening to me like yo this is gonna suck oh it's not okay great you know but there have been so many times where i'd be at the open mic like if i have to listen to another kooky old man say Mm. this misogynist rapey poem Mm -hmm. i'm going to throttle someone probably him like i can't (laughs) and i know this is the space potentially high potential where i could hear that shit Mm. i can't do it today i can't house that today so i'm learning how to not house that shit but yeah my unpopular opinion would be i I, if i'm honest with myself i deeply hate open mics although i think and i think i have an unpopular opinion that isn't my unpopular opinion for today Mm -hmm. but I've been to open mics where I feel like I'll go without naming names because it's not about a, like anyone's one personal decision. But I remember going to see you feature, Jose, recently. You read with Aracelis. Mm-hmm. And in the crowd was a fucking hit squad of some of the best poets that live in New York City and beyond. It was wow. unreal. And they had an open mic and nobody read. What? And of course you're like, man... I don't, you know, those are all people I deeply respect and would never be like, you should do this if you don't want to. But I do think that there is a trend sometimes where people feel like they've gotten to a point where they don't consider reading or sharing in that forum. Mm. And so, like, like the feature. Yeah, 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 unless they're the feature. And I was like, if if everyone here read on the open mic, this would be one of the best nights of my month you know I mean it already was because you and Otto were were unbelievable and it was such a good room and a a positive space but I also I think started attending open mics at a time and I know y'all were both there for part of that as well where like all of the poets who you really wanted to hear would be in the room and they would be signing up and sharing excitedly and I would go to other cities 
and read, and all the poets who I would be like, oh shit, I'm in San Francisco, this poet lives here, this poet lives here, this poet lives here, and they're in the building, I can't wait, I'm gonna mm-hmm. do my set, and then I'm just gonna kick back and listen to all their poems, yeah. right. and all the names would get called, and I'd be like, who why the fuck didn't you <laughs> go on stage? I just, yeah. like, I'm only gonna be here for a night, and you don't get yeah. to see it. So sometimes I feel like it's a double-edged sword, where it's yeah. like, the open mic gets this bad rap, but you hit a certain level where you no longer want to risk failing in such like a small mm. way and not to say that that's why those people didn't read on the open mic I'm, it's it's not fair to use a small sample size on that but I do sure. think it's a trend yeah. where like I miss that and now when yeah. I go into an open mic I don't have that muscle memory that makes me be like sign up like of right. course I'm signing up what else would I be doing I'm signing up I like have to be like mm. oh fuck am I signing up mm-hmm. and mm. what am I gonna read and like <laughs> yeah <laughs> to my detriment mm. yeah yeah one of the things that i love most about being at yca is that you go to to the youth open mic that we do wordplay and you you have people like you know kevin reads his new poems you know what mm-hmm. i mean and, and it, it just like doesn't matter like that's just the space where people go to like share their new work and it and it I think it means, like, I remember being a young person in that room and being like, oh, like, my poems, like, live next to Kevin's and live next mm-hmm. to Michael Hefflinger's and Tara Betts and all these people. Wow. And that that felt, made me feel like, oh, like, if I can share a stage with them here at the open mic, then maybe eventually I can, like, get on their level in terms of, like, writing and publishing and sure. doing everything else. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that was, that was, like, real important for me to see. Yeah. So yeah. I think about that now, now that I'm, like... Oh, like, I, th- I think that's why, like, when I heard Patricia say what Patricia said, mm-hmm. I was like, this makes yeah. deeply, mm-hmm. like, this resonates deeply with me. Because I'm yeah. like, I want to make sure that I'm, like, talking to those young people because I want to make sure that they're, like, getting the encouragement and the mm-hmm. nourishment that they need to continue writing and continue and going. And that's the thing for me, like, when it's young folk, like, when it was on First Draft, you know? I love First yeah. Draft. Shout, Shout out. out. Urban Word. First Draft. Yes. Like, curating that, first of all, curating that with John and Jose. That was so much fun. Easily one of the best curations. Also, I mean, this is not an unpopular opinion. We kind of crushed that. You Yo, know what I mean? Yes. We just did very well. Yeah, if any of you Urban Worders are listening, you know we killed it. Like, you know we killed it, right? You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Like, the turnout was lit. Imani Davis, you're welcome. Yo, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Aya, you're welcome. You know we you're welcome. Hey, hey. <laughs> congratulations. He's right. You got to experience what we made. Uh, oh. But but I loved it. What we made. That's so ridiculous. Because, because it, was, it was always, like, I was always so excited. Because when it, I feel like when it's um, young folk, when it's, like, youth and... I know for some of them the things they're writing about they're experiencing for the first time. Mm. You know what I mean? Then, and anytime I'll teach and like ask folks to share out, I get so excited. Yeah. For some reason, that feels so different because I'm, I'm literally like, oh, I've seen, like, even with the open mic with First Draft, it's like, okay, I didn't see you maybe create this poem. Maybe sometimes I did, which is a great feeling. Yeah. But like, I know that for you, this is new. And there's something about that that's like, insatiable for me just like mm. wow you you fell in love like, you yeah. know what I mean and even if it's like weird and fucked up and you're on learning stuff or learning stuff or whatever I'm invested because I'm like you're using this 
as you're growing, and I know you're growing because you're a kid. Like, I know right. it's almost innate that you would grow. Right. And then, like, when you grown and you go into the open mic, you can decide whether you're growing or not. You know what I mean? You can decide, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to just stay in this one pocket because I know how I like the sound of my voice when I say a thing like this. And, you know, there's just something about it that I'm like, makes me hold my head in my hands. But when it's, like, youth folk, I'm just like... This is the best place. I don't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. Yo, John Sands. All right. You got some hate on your heart? I Listen, I got to instigate it. Um, I love it. I've been thinking about this. It. So I've been thinking about, I think, I don't want to be too long in my explanation here, but I've been thinking about the portrayal of unrequited love in music and popular culture Mm. and the way in which it's lionized as something that's noble. Mm. Um, I hadn't thought of it like that. And I've been thinking specifically, I think, about my journey, you know, as I'm like heading now towards, I think, like a full life, hopefully with with someone who I love, like my journey of love on the way there. Mm. And the way in which expressing love to someone who I had feelings for was a muscle that I had to develop. Mm. And I had to develop it specifically in places where I had feelings for someone who they did, that weren't returned in the same way, mm. right? And I think part of that expression was also, and this is where I think my unpopular opinion comes in, because I recognize that without the expression... Whatever we shared was could had like ran the potential to be poisonous, mm. and I think like of the experience of unrequited love, and and especially like growing up and having feelings for someone, and uh, and having been on the receiving end of this same dynamic, you know, where it's a small truth that basically you're saying you don't want to know. You're like, I want us to be friends. I really like what we have here, and as long as I don't say how I feel. And you don't allow me to know that you don't return those feelings, then we'll be good, and we <laughs> yeah. can explain that, right? Yeah. And how, in in a way, having unrequited love that you don't express for someone is constructing a whole separate reality for them. And as we know, when you construct mm. a fake reality for someone, really poor things follow because mm. you know, like you, the body doesn't want to be corrected, and so mm. like someone will get a text message. And you can be really, really cruel to someone if you're not self-aware who doesn't love you back for the fact that they're not living up to the alternate reality that you have in your mind that says that you'll be together, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that people who have feelings for someone hold the potential just by that fact to be very cruel to people who they love. And I think that that's like a side of unrequited love that doesn't come into the conversation when we like celebrate the person in the movie who has feelings for the person and like pines and like even the way in which we hold like Frank Ocean Mm. and not I mean I love Frank Ocean and Frank Ocean's letter is about confessing those feelings not about like ultimately withholding them right Mm -hmm. but I think some of like my unpopular opinion is that that is a state that should not be overly infused with nostalgia (laughs) because it's a really damaging place and I would just encourage you if you are listening to this podcast to understand that if you have feelings for someone (laughs) that 
that you're doing yourself a favor by flexing the muscle and that it's not about whether they have feelings for you at that time. Like, mm-hmm. in the times where I had feelings for someone, I could have been like, oh, there's something noble in this pining. Mm-hmm. But literally in expressing it, I felt my chest open. Mm-hmm. I felt like literally like my chest was holding it and then it wasn't. And it was less important. You know, whatever the information that came back, that was then information and not yeah. something I had to be afraid of. Mm. And my body could move, right? And I do feel like that prepared me to express love, you know, for Maggie and then, like, yeah. and to feel that come back. Because well, then to... you're allowed to love. Like, if you say it, then you're allowed to love them anyway. You know what I mean? Like, if you just held it, held it, held it, you're not really able to love that person. Even if they don't reciprocate it, like, if you admit it, then it's your love, you know? Like, mm. you know what I mean? You get to have it. They get to know about it. They get to be like, word, not really what I'm <laughs> but, but you get to be like, okay, well, I I just love you. All mm. right. I'm, and you're right. Your body can move. Now I can go eat a sandwich yeah. and not mm. resent you. <laughs> and if you're mean to someone for not loving you back and you're not courageous enough to express that you have feelings for them, then you're not noble in that moment. It's not. Right. It's right. cruelty. I think that's cruelty, and I, and I think it reminds me of something. Um, a couple years ago, this Ooh. is so funny. If you're listening, I'm so sorry. It's a good, it's a good story. Um, so my high school crush, like OD crush, the only one, like I, you know. Talk about pining. It's the only one I OD pine for. I was like, ugh, how? In what world will you love me? Like, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it wasn't like I was just like, you know, that I didn't get no play, like, as a youth. Like, I did. Like, I was just like, decided i was like oh but you'll never you'll never and you know it, oh god i don't even know where my head was it was just like but like we would talk and i'd be like like not english words and and then like um he went to the same college as me and i was like oh fuck this is all right what art you know what I mean? he made movies and shit and like in my high school that was just not a thing and i was just like you're just so dreamy and you make movies and stuff and um but then like over the years we started like talking and kicking it and there was always that small little high school, and i tried to be real cool about it i was like right. yo this sure we'll hang out i don't care i mean i'll come or i won't come i'm late do you care like it was just like a lot of that shit like i would always show up late i would always show up like underdressed i'd be like i don't i don't care even because there was a 15 year old in me that was like i care so much i'm winning i'm winning and like and then he took me out on a date and he was like yo i wanted to spend the whole day with you why are we just linking up at four and i was like I I was busy. I had stuff to do. I wasn't fucking busy. I was in my house trying not to care about this person. And like we go out on this date, it's wonderful. Like it's a great date. And we're like sharing and talking and laughing and like kissing and shit. I'm like, my high school me is literally like, ah, like, right. we're in it. We're 
winning. And <laughs> we're winning. But but I never I never told him like yo. And I think if I just told him like yo, fam, like uh, not to freak you out. This is just kind of surreal to me right now. Right. Because I was so into you, yeah. and you had no idea. And, you know, then, but I think that part of me that was, like, so, it was being requited. But there was that young me that was, like, he'll never, he'll never, that mm. held on to it so hard. I mean, we ain't dating right now, you know what I mean? Like, it, it <laughs> ended, <laughs> like, you yeah. know? And, and it was just, like, I was, like, why did that... I had thought about it the other day. I was like, you know, I'm happy. But I was like, why did that end, I wonder? And it's like, you were holding on to some old shit that literally had no relevance in the present. Mm. Like, it's literally the opposite of what's happening mm-hmm. right now. Mm. So that's... Uh, Bayrod, if you're listening. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that coming. Oh, not like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to get at you, fam. But like, <laughs> not but like it's wonderful. For real. I probably never, I mean, don't listen to this shit. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But that's, that's something hey, I Shout out about. to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that reminds me, with, the conversation reminds me of a Jessica Hopper essay mm. uh, where she is writing about emo music and is like, I'm done with emo music and she Mm. was like mad because she had gone to a concert and it was like these hurt boys who are always hurt boys yeah and it's and it's like i know this one yeah you know this i said yeah i'm I'm like help me fill in the gaps because i like haven't read it i need to reread it in a while yeah listen go read (laughs) i'm sure if you google like jessica hopper emo music sad boys or something like that that essay will come up but um, it, it, the, the idea was that these boys who they, their whole game was like being sad and like being like oh the girls will never love me mm-hmm. which allowed them to like never grow and like learn mm-hmm. to love the mm-hmm. you know the, yeah. the girls who did love them and like mm-hmm. right. but were and, and like how that positionality was so toxic you know it what is, I mean and yeah. it was like fake emotional depth it was like hurt as this this attempt at emotional depth that was mm. not real you know what i mean i like right. that hurt as attempt at emotional depth yeah that's and like not to simplify it but it's just so dramatic mm. it's yeah. like just admit how you feel so that you can deal with it and deal with reality so that mm. you don't make this person an object like you yeah. actually get to deal with them that's as a real is. person yeah instead of having yeah. this fantasy that you get to live out on this other person's like name and existence it's just overly dramatic for no reason and not to make you an object you know like there's something Mm. i think i've told you this story i don't think i told it on the podcast but like tell the story specifically (laughs) in so i remember there was like a for whatever reason there was a time uh, not for whatever reason i know what it is like (laughs) 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 you know but it was a time in my life where I was very nervous about reaching out to people who I had feelings for, even if I knew that they were reciprocated, like oh, all the yeah. signs were. Yeah. It was yeah. like very difficult to ask someone out on a date. Yeah. And I remember feeling like my body would regress in time. I would be mm. 17, you know, I was like a heavy kid, and literally mm. all the things about me that I liked would fall away and I would like feel my cheeks swell and I would just like get nervous and uh, like couldn't talk right because I would be hyper aware of my body right and so I was talking to my therapist and she was like 
okay, here's what you're going to do. You have to slowly change the energy around it. I want you mm. to communicate your attraction to somebody. I want you to think about who you're attracted to and not just on a physical level, like just who are you drawn to and I want you to find a way to communicate that attraction mm. uh, to uh, somebody once a day. And of course, mm. being the like sensitive new age guy, <laughs> I was like, oh, that has a few red flags for me because oh, like nice I've been God. thinking a lot about the objectification of women, <laughs> right? It's like the, the most predictable answer you could have come up with. Because she for didn't me, say right? Because of course, women. I've been thinking a lot. Of, I've been spending time on Facebook thinking a lot about I've it. I've been wow. reading a lot of and, pieces. <laughs> and and she wow. was like, okay, you're not gonna like what I'm about to say. But you're, you're not. <laughs> you're not thinking a lot about it because your withholding of communication of communicating anything, you're objectifying yourself. Wow. And through that objectification mm. of self, you can't help but objectify the people who are the objects of your desire. Yo, you're because oh, like yeah. you are thinking that you're only your body. Or you're thinking that you're only your poems. Or you're yeah, thinking what? that you're only these things that you wow. know like the pieces and and part of that is objectification is to yeah. think that that p- the part is the whole yeah. right so it's real. to erase a part or to think that a part is the whole and so she's right. like if you do that to self then you can't then you participate in all of these forms of oppression that you say you're thinking about right and that so like you say you're thinking mm. bars and so like i it really put yeah. something in context for me where i was like fuck like that And I think that's part of where I go to with this unpopular opinion is that, like, I do think it's inherently oppressive to be in a in a relationship in like a friendship or whatever it is and have a heated feeling that isn't fleeting that goes unexpressed. Yep. Mm -hmm. I like it. There you go. If you're listening to the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Maybe what you need to do is uh, go go express your feelings. <laughs> Turn off the podcast. In a polite way. In a polite way. I wasn't Listen. ready. <laughs> Don't like run up on people and scream at them. Yeah, like, write right. us back. Let us know how we go. Right, right. We're not promising that you're going to get what you want. I you promise, that I promise nothing. <laughs> Yo, Jose. Yes. What's your unpopular opinion? Well, you know, I was thinking about this, and uh, I just really don't think I have unpopular opinions. You know, like I just, mm. I just, I, I just think I, I tell the truth. Walk away. <laughs> I don't know why Aziz is walking away. I think I just tell the truth, and people are like, "Oh, like wow, that really resonates." You don't yeah. like J Cole? That really resonates with me uh, very deeply. Jose is um, playing politics oh. right now. <laughs> I remember that because you were like Nas overrated, and everybody was like, "Yeah, I guess yeah, so. everyone was that was like, like, I agree. That. You are correct." Yeah. <laughs> Overwhelming. I've never thought about it that mm. way. Yeah, yeah. right? Over as a resident of Queens. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. So I just like, uh, I don't know. Alright, if you if you're gonna ask me an uh, unpopular opinion that I have and, and you know, this is this is from my Chicago people uh, who who I love very deeply and I you know I believe 
very much that uh, Chicago is the capital of the universe. That you know everything <laughs> just kind of gravitates around. But that's not the. Um, I'm getting to the unpopular Isn't part. That if the you, unpopular if you just, if you just stick with me, I, I gotta work through the common logic before I get there. Uh, so you have to understand that it that it hurts me to say this, but deep dish pizza is not is not the most delicious pizza in the world. That is wow. a yes. that is a thing. Yes. That I will admit on on this podcast, you yes. know what I mean. This is uh, breaking news. How do you do this every time? Yes, your unpopular opinion every time, two for two. Oh my god, to go so publicly against Woo. something so Chicago. I love, I, I love Chicago very much. I, wow. I listen before everybody like starts <laughs> raising the banner of like New York, right? Yeah, pizza. You know what I mean. Oh. The best pizza in the world, oh, I'll tell you right me, now, is thin crust Chicago style pizza. Oh, so oh, look, look, oh, look, 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 is cut in squares. Yeah. You can only get it in Chicago, preferably on the south side of Chicago. And uh, it's Pizza very delicious. Highly recommend it. That sounds uh, like a margarita. No, yeah. The world is no, wrong. It's not that sounds like a grandma slice. No, listen, hold up. <laughs> no. Such a walk we back. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I will take you to get the thin crust Yo, pizza. Nah, also, you know ketchup, ketchup should not go on hot dogs. I agree with that. I, agree. I just okay, don't like okay. ketchup on hot dogs. Okay. I just don't like ketchup. Yeah, who likes ketchup? I love ketchup very much. <laughs> what do you put it on? On french no. fries all okay. day. No. All right, okay. Yeah. What do y'all put on French fries? I mean, I, I don't know. I eat nothing. <laughs> I eat I French mustard. fries. We need to go there. Mustard. I need mustard. Yeah. Well, that's that's like the John Santons. Yeah. My hot favorite sauce part. Everything. That's like up a notch. That's yeah. Yeah. my favorite part of going <laughs> to get breakfast with John Sands or going to get any meal with John Sands is he's always like, ah, excuse me, do you have uh, <laughs> do you have mustard and hot sauce, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what. The meal is. It will be I mean? anything. Yeah. It's perfect. Right? It's like, oh, you got mustard and hot sauce. Yeah. Can I please really? have some mustard and I hot sauce? I love, like, the care of eating with John Sands because it's very, like, dietarily sound, yes. you know? Um, you know, it's very much like, can can you make this thing and then this thing? A very polite. As I take my, like, like third glass of rum. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dietary. Yeah, yeah, the body is a temple. Listen. The body is a that I would like to have alchemized myself because I would love like you know I'd be running around like I'm so like I the idea of myself that I would love to project is that I'm like such a generous writer, such a generous person. I'll listen to anything and everybody all the time, and that is just not what's really happening. And I have to own that. It's just so, not. Podcast, if you're listening, please send all your poems to Aziza Barnes. Oh my dear yeah. God! You know what I mean, yeah. she's like, she's looking for <laughs> oh the next God. great mixtape, video open mic. Yo, yeah. if you have these people sending me mixtapes, <laughs> I will never forgive you. But also, if somebody hit us up with like a very personal, loving note, and we're Absolutely. a fan of podcast. We, we actually yes. would probably no. I love reading that. <laughs> yes. yeah. We love that. Uh, yeah. We actually live for the people who write us. It's emails. 
Anyway, so see, I get... love reading things. I love going places and <laughs> hearing things read. I'm a good person. Oh, no, people are going to get that. And I pull. I pull. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, it, it just, you know I, mean? I had to admit it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had to admit it. I, I don't. It. Don't love it. I feel like I'm gonna get some heat, but that's okay. You're, you're great. Maybe not. You're also great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see what's everybody? Breaking people. Right? Yep. Word. Desiree yes. Bailey. Oh, that was from me. Desiree, but okay. <laughs> I was. Might as well. We, I just feel, wow, okay. Uh, Desiree, what is your unpopular opinion? Mm. All right, so. My unpopular opinion, I think it's more of me being conflicted than having like a full out unpopular opinion. Sounds like and a tiptoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tiptoeing a bit for for good reasons. Yes. But um I think it has a lot to do with how I guess celebrities are deified Ooh. in today's world um, they, or in this cu- there, in this current moment as I'd be more particular specific. celebrities you were thinking about so I was thinking about Bay Beyonce oh. you know mm. and no oh. idea. <laughs> I think I've heard of yeah, such a person you know, just a little just somebody and I guess I was thinking more about lemonade and the recent reverence of orishas in the music mm. and in a lot of the imagery and while i i welcome it welcome it and this is why i'm conflicted because i love the images i love what's being done but i think i'm really against the fact that it is unpopular to have an opinion about it and to mm. say that it does not speak to me or mm. maybe that i feel ambivalent about so much Worship going to one specific person or humanly person, mm-hmm. and so I wonder if there's like not enough nuance in that conversation, not enough room to bring in different opinions and yeah. to talk about, I guess the different, the different points that come up when I see a figure like that elevated, and then the people who are left out of that conversation. So that's my unpopular opinion. It's more so of like I want more discussion. I yeah. want less like you have to have this opinion or else you're not down for the cause. Oh, right. So it's more about the beehive. I, I hear yeah, you say, yeah, you're saying you yeah. Want, it's more about the height. You want less Beyonce is what you're saying. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I do have. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so what you're saying reminded me last night as it sh- should happen I was having a conversation about the new Dave Chappelle stand up uh, with with I think it's important to say with a man and he hmm. was like you know Dave Chappelle is one of the most important cultural critics when it comes to race and and class that we've had in this country and yeah. it like really breaks my heart to see him being dragged because he hasn't advanced his like ability to nuance and to like be as sharp as he needs to be on gender and trans issues and so forth right Mm. um and I was like, well, nah, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I hear you, but we don't have to, like, throw away the genius that is Chappelle's show, you know what I mean, 2003 to 2004, right. 
to like acknowledge and point out that we need Dave Chappelle to be more on point in these yeah. ways. You know what right. I mean? Like Absolutely. he can continue to be like a transformative figure when it comes to parsing out race uh, and class and the imagination in America. And he can also be very washed when it comes to talking about gender. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he can be both. Absolutely. It's not all loss. And it's something mm-hmm. that I think can be remedied. When I heard the stand-up, I thought, you have not been reading enough, and your ideas sound really outdated. You mm-hmm. sound like an older person. Sounds Ooh, like an old man. Right? Yeah. 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 That was my uh, impression was like, oh, you are lightly bitter. And old suddenly. Yeah. But you know, I was talking about this um, with Taylor yesterday. I was like, yo, what if? Because it was so stark. Like, the first 10 minutes were pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know, I was yeah. in it. I was like, yo, yeah. I like this. Like, you know, he's like <laughs> dissing like Key and Peel a little bit, but it's like very gentle. It, it was good. It was yeah. good. But then the turn was like, ugh, like yeah. stark. Yeah. And so. I, w- I was shocked at how quickly it turned to the point where, you know, me and Taylor were talking, we were like, what if he's still a genius? Because he did say at one point, I didn't tell you it was going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, like, he said that to an audience. He was like, to the audience who's playing, he's like, I didn't tell y'all this was going to be good. Mm-hmm. I don't know why y'all doing mm-hmm. I didn't tell you it was going to be good. He said and I get then, paid for the attempt. Exactly. Yeah. And then which, he does this which was trash, kooky set. Like, this kooky fucking set. Like, even for Dave, even on an outline level of a set, it was absurd. Like, you're outlining it with the four times you met O.J. Simpson and a rape joke. Like, that's what you're doing with your set. Um, It's messy. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't care how long you've been out the game, for real. So, like, we were thinking, what if he's a genius? What if it was supposed to be that bad? (laughs) And this Mm. is, like, a meta-meta joke. And this is, like, you know, him on Chappelle's show on a thousand. And that's, like, my deep hope. But the reality reality most likely is that he's kind of going through something or like is too comfortable yeah he is and i like i'm not gonna claim yeah i'm not gonna claim to know him like he's an actual person that i don't know what's happening in his personal life but it really just sounds like he's comfortable where he is Mm -hmm. and and maybe there isn't that rawness or that hunger he says that right he's like yeah he's he's like talk about it yeah we He's like, you know, me and my friend got stopped by the mm-hmm. police. And he was like, I wasn't worried because mm-hmm. I'm black, but mm-hmm. I'm also Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and he says, like, the yeah. officer like is like, oh, my God, you're Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And he's like, yep. he walks away from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, in his earlier stuff, also earlier in your career, earlier in your life. But by the time we're seeing his stand-up earlier in the early aughts and certainly by the Chappelle show, he had already been a pretty famous dude, you know? So it's mm-hmm. interesting that at that, this point, he's, like, kind of buying into that. But, like, in his earlier... Because when he was telling that story, I was like, oh, this feels familiar. This feels like an earlier Chappelle, Chappelle skit yeah. where he's driving around with his homie mm-hmm. and he's, like, smoking weed in the car. Yeah. And in those stories, he's not Dave Chappelle. No. He's the black guy in the car. Yeah, right. and he's freaking right. out. Exactly. And, and what I loved, even in that story was that he was like, I tell you that we're both black to tell you there was fear in the car. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, that was still good. Yeah. But it's interesting, and I want him at this point to interrogate it, like, but I'm Dave Chappelle. Like, tease that out. Like, who the fuck are you, actually? Like, yeah. you're Dave Chappelle. That means something to people. What does mm-hmm. it mean to people? Yeah. You know, what does it mean to that cop that pulled you over? It, it might not be what you want. Right. Even though you get right. what you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. The reason I bring up Dave Chappelle, though, is because I think that there is this deification that happens, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Where, Mm -hmm. like... And it's interesting to 
to talk about Dave Chappelle because I think he's he recognizes it and doesn't at the same time, yeah. right? But I think even in conversations with people, like you're not allowed to to criticize these folks. They're like the gold standard, and, yeah. And it's like, well, how do we how like great, fantastic, but also like we still gotta like push, continue to push the culture forward. You know what I mean? And even Absolutely. something that's great, we can have criticisms of. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we like? be honest to ourselves and and like no one is like bashing a particular person but you know how how do we also like leave room for conversation and not mm-hmm. just close the door and be like well you're not allowed to say anything negative about Beyonce even though Rihanna put on put out a better album <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, oh, I'm sorry well also Dave Chappelle I mean I think part of it as well as that to be an artist is to have your journey be a public journey that, and yeah, I do that. think that they're that. and that's not to defend the like transphobic or uh hmm. you know like rape joke parts of that stand-up skit because i think you're right like you watch it and you do feel like hey you know you as someone who we always saw a step ahead of the culture feel a step behind the culture in Maybe this in this stand-up yeah. but i do think yeah. like we also if you're looking yeah. at Chappelle's show you know, there's a whole... He, like, celebrated and put Rick James back on the map without mm. talking about Rick James' gender. You're right. You know, the the way that that played out and this all played out for Rick James. Like, And so I do think that I resist, in some ways, the idea that, like... And this might just be, like, on my Facebook feed or something like that, that, like, Dave Chappelle was a genius, and now Dave Chappelle is a villain, and that's mm. the end of the story, you know? Yeah, because I think he's still growing, and I do think he's a genius, and I do I think, think like, is. we need him and to, like, grow yeah. <laughs> and do those things. Or people yeah. of his ilk to do that, and I do think a lot of those people, part of the skill set of especially being a comedian, but also being a poet, especially a poet who, like, if you're taking risks and challenging, is, like, finding ways to not have it end you when you take an L mm-hmm. and you're held to account. Mm-hmm. on some of the things that mm-hmm. are inside of the work that you make, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I do feel like a, a weird defense of like Dave Chappelle as an as an artist, you know? As yeah. like a meaningful artist at yeah. the same time of yeah. watching that those jokes and being like, oh, yeah. like, you know? And then it's just really sad. I think this is where I get conflicted too because I think it's sad when we do discard people and we, yeah. we throw out all of their ideas and all of yeah. what they contributed. And I think in some ways that was part of his fear in the past, you know, and part Mm. of the reason why he left. Like, this very disposable kind of culture where it's like, you know, you're in one minute and then you have no use for us anymore Mm. after you say something that someone doesn't like. But then on the other hand, I'm I'm also very much like, okay, so I won't throw you away and not Mm. a disposable thing to me, but we have to work on this. And then if you're at the point where... I see that you're not willing to put in the work to advance how you're seeing the world and to make sure that you're not erasing people and minimizing their experiences, then that's where I'm like, okay. Then I, have I gotta, to step back. I gotta yeah. to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know? protection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that was my thing too with like what comes up right now. Chimamanda. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, but you know what I think though is like, 
um, you know, to deify Chimamanda Mm -hmm. as the voice of feminism. And, you know, like, you are the person that we look to to hear the right thing about what it is to be in a woman femme body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, when we hear you say some whack shit about trans people, we're like, ah, like, we're so deceived. And Mm -hmm. you fooled us. It it feels almost like a betrayal Mm -hmm. when, in fact, Chimamanda is a woman from Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. from Nigeria, who has her own stuff. Who always had her own stuff. Whatever the fuck that stuff was. Yeah. I don't know your stuff. I don't know you. But you said a couple things I liked. And yeah. they inspired me. Yeah. And I read your books. And they made me feel less alone. And that was great. And you probably had some weird shit that I don't know about, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you're a person. Yeah. you're literally a fucking person. Yeah. And, like, it's... And when I heard her, you know, speak on, like, trans folks... The part of my heartbreak that I had one was a problem. I was like, I don't know you. I literally don't know you. Why is my heart broken? Like, this is a bit absurd, actually. But another thing was like, I kind of wish that she had the place of presence of mind to say, I don't think I know enough about this. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know your position. You know how the human brain tends to operate in this mm. deification. You know, you you know, you kind of know where you are. I believe that Chimamanda is self-aware enough to know the space she takes up right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. why not say, I don't really know. I don't really know about that. This is what I think, and I could be very wrong, but like... Yeah, and if I'm wrong, like, please help me out. Yeah, yeah just holler yeah. at me. Yeah. You know, I could be wrong. Like, you know, and, and then to hear her say, like, I have nothing to apologize for, it's like, you know... We're not asking you to actually... Right. I'm not asking you to apologize. I'm asking you to dig a little further. Or to, like, address it multiple times and still not actually get why people are upset. Yeah. Like, addressing yeah. the wrong part of, yeah. you know... It's like, why are issue? y'all so mad? And yeah. that question, why are y'all so mad, mm-hmm. is the most reductive, silencing, erasure-filled question. It's like, right. if someone is mad, that's information. That's juice. That's charge. Like walk into that yeah like yeah. really greet it yeah <laughs> but also, i think yes definitely and i i wonder as an artist especially an artist who is so large yeah. that you're inherently divisive in some way mm. you know like you don't get as big as either of those people without having a significant and vocal you know consciousness that's out there that is resistant to your work yeah. And so I'd imagine as a person, wow. you also develop the muscles of resistance to resistance. Yeah. And so it's critical then as artists who are growing and wanting to, you know, grow as people and watch the world grow to find ways to recognize where that resistance muscle that has like saved you, that is like responsible mm-hmm. for the whole reason you're there yeah. when you're like, ooh, I need to turn that off, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it's like a muscle that's already twitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of course, right? Like that's a time where note-taking should be happening. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I say that only in thinking of self and being like, sure. man, I really hope A, that I'm develop- that I'm like risking enough to like have to develop a muscle of resistance to resistance. Right. And right. also growing enough to be like able to be checked in some way. Sure. Yeah. Mm, to go back to uh, Mm. you know what we were saying about being an artist being a public journey Mm -hmm. maybe this is a good time to start (laughs) 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 (laughs
Hey, hey, listen, I am a real professional. I don't know if y'all know this, yes. but I host a podcast. And, uh, well, by yourself, uh, you do this. Well, I didn't hear code. I will allow myself to be checked. And but yes, Desiree Bailey, tell us about uh, writing. How uh, you're you're someone that was that was your opinion. I got some time. My bad, redacted. You're you're someone whose whose work I enjoy and who I'm always curious about because. You know, like we were saying at the very beginning, you write both poems, you write fiction, and and you like started out in one, right? You started out writing poems and then made mm-hmm. what made the transition to fiction. What I guess I'm curious, like what got you started writing poems, and then what prompted you to be like, you know, I think I I think I want to write fiction. I think I want to write something that's not poems. I think I want to write full sentences. <laughs> yeah, um, full sentences. <laughs> I quite like that. Yeah. I like that it had its silence in there. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Okay. It was just such I like a good that. question. And I <laughs> took it at face value. Yeah, it was, like, it was at the brink of, like, is that really deep? Or is that being ridiculous? <laughs> hey, I only have so much deepness to me. You know what I mean? So much depth, depth. before yeah. it's oh, ridiculous. Man. No, I love it. I started writing poetry. Well, I feel like, like so many of us, I think I was always writing in some way and always recording my world and the experiences around me, but I started to take it seriously. First, I think when I entered college and I saw that this was a thing that people do, and I took a Caribbean poetry class, Mm. and I was just like, oh my God, there are Caribbean words in here. This is the first time that I'm seeing how the word... I don't know, Pomerac is spelled or, or just wow. different things. And so I think I started to see the importance of recording my experiences and documenting this particular world that I experience and that is quite different from a lot of people, but also this world that has a lot in common or this world that a lot of people actually live within. And so I, I began to see it as a place where I can connect and create community. And I was just like, I really like this. And I really want to continue writing these poems. Um, And then I think I started to write fiction also in college, really because there was one particular story that I was working on. And it had a lot to do with mental illness and how we navigate through oppression in this world and how that manifests in in our everyday and the decisions that we make. And I really felt like I needed to explore this character's psyche and really Mm -hmm. delve into what this person thinks about the world and how, I guess, um, yeah, I needed to get really specific. And I think some poets do that in poetry, but for me, I needed something more broad. I needed to expand and I needed to have to give this person dialogue mm. and 
flashbacks and a stream of consciousness and all of that to for me to really fully understand how oppressive systems impact the psyche wow. so it was really because of like a specific thing that i wanted to write and then from that moment i realized okay there is this need within me to write in that way and to explore what's happening inside inside our heads inside the psyche i love that like because that's a conversation and i think it's such an important one about medium and about like what medium will best serve the story mm-hmm. and i i can tell it's always interesting to be able to tell when like an artist has decided who they are and so their medium just has to be this one thing mm-hmm. you know like when you get the six minute poem at the three minute slam Mm -hmm. and it's like valid poem valid story but might be a story Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but it's like then that's a conversation about medium about genre and i and i love that because you are like what would best serve the story Mm -hmm. and that's like a really beautiful intuitive thing to have Mm -hmm. you know it's stressful sometimes Mm -hmm. because it means that i have to sort of divide my time and actually someone just asked me do I know I guess what a story or what do I know whether it's a poem or it's a story when Mm -hmm. I started and I'm like I always know actually Mm -hmm. I know if it's a poem right I know if it's a story it's very clear in my mind but it can be stressful because I'm just like it's hard enough sometimes to find the time to work on one genre and then I I sometimes feel like I'm cheating on (laughs) one with the other I'm just like oh I didn't give you some quality time now I have to like spend some time with my fiction so they're like people Mm -hmm. yeah they are yeah very demanding people very demanding people but also very giving people Hmm. Mm -hmm. what has fiction given you hmm that was cute, right? That yeah. Was, yeah. I, was like, wow. I was like, remember to give Aziza some depth. <laughs> I think fiction has really, and it's something that it's still in the process of giving me, but it has really made me face the fact that I need to take up space. Wow. And like when I just started writing fiction, and even now, I write in a very concise way. Yeah. And and then, you know, people who would read it would say, this is this is great. This is beautiful. It really gets to the point. But maybe you should expand, draw that out a bit, allow us to see more of the colors or more of what's happening here. And it's still something that I'm always telling myself, expand, expand, because I don't want to lose the quality of those images. But then I I suspect also it has a lot to do with with spreading out and I guess learning that that was something that I shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't Mm. really take up space and put like, throw my bag over there Mm. and then my books here. So yeah, yeah, I think it's reflected in that. And I'm still learning how to take up space. Uh, It's hard. I think like, and it sounds very much like a learned behavior, um, as like you know non-binary and as women of color it's like mm-hmm. get get tight economized mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you, you might not have the opportunity to say this you probably won't have the opportunity to say this to so make it quick you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and i think like i'm also in a, in a point in my process where i'm realizing like how ingrained that shit is mm-hmm. how ingrained like 
the white man in my head is like there is one you know and it's my grandfather who i'd never met and and he lives in my dad's head and he lives in my head Mm. and you know my dad will sometimes tell me things that his father would say to him and it's only just now like in therapy that i'm realizing like oh those are really poisonous things to say to someone you know Mm. like Mm -hmm. like um just like you know, pick one thing that you do. Like you can't, you know, you know, cheat on the things that you do. Yeah. Like, and what you're saying is like, I have to give time to both fiction and poetry. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, who I never met, would probably say like, "Well, you're a poet or you're a fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Like, don't cheat on the things that mm-hmm. you do." Mm-hmm. But he was also a motherfucker who was like a you know didn't cheat on his alcoholism didn't cheat on his like cigarette addiction mm-hmm. didn't cheat on his marathon running mm-hmm. you know wow. but cheating wow. yeah, in all of those things <laughs> together <laughs> but you know what I mean and, and so he died relatively young because mm-hmm. you know if, if you think of everything in terms of that very colonial like I can only take up space in one place right. yeah. or you know if I'm not a white man I can't take up space at all mm-hmm. then your behavior becomes very violent, you know, and your your writing becomes very violent. Mm. I feel like for a lot of for a long time my writing was very violent mm. and very uninterested in um gentleness and in mm. like tenderness mm. and and then it, and it started to be about tenderness yeah. and then I kind of lost my shit. I was like, no, this is terrible. I need to be mean and I need to be deliberate and I need to be concise because that's what the white man in my head would be like. And that you just don't get far with that. For real, for real. So I love like the generosity that you give to to all your craft and... Oh my god, yo! I I like it's so interesting because like I love hearing you talk about your work, but now I just want to hear your work. So I'm like I'm very um, selfish. Yeah. In that. yeah. Also, I just like the way Desiree listens. You know? no, <laughs> Desiree's no. like, mm, I yes. yo, can I tell a Desiree story? I love this. I was starting yeah. to tell this to John before you got in, but um, <laughs> when I like met Desiree, you do. You listen so well. Listen, I, I'm also a loud listener, so anybody yeah. who listens yeah. loudly is like oh my, my best friend. You yeah, know what but me? me too, because there, like, there are literally some days where I wake up thinking like, oh, nothing that's trolling around in my head will be interesting <laughs> to anyone, right. even to the people I love. Yeah. But I'll tell you what's trolling around in my head, Jose. <laughs> you'll be like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. Oh, fuck. Or you'll be like, yo, you should get that tattoo. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I do. It's great. You should get that tattoo. <laughs> you should I'm get that tattoo. You, so like, get you should go to Boston. Yeah. You should go oh, live no. your life. Oh, no. You should go to Boston. I know. No offense, Boston. Right. And you are considering going to Boston? Don't. Do not. Do not go to Boston. This is a. Good this should have been an unpopular opinion. Right. Yeah. Don't go to Boston. Um, listen, I just think that's popular. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. I was about to say that's not unpopular. Even the people in Boston hate Boston. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I remember going to the Cantab and I had my fuck Boston poems, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I can read this right now. And I told the the audience, I was like, I don't know if I can read this right now, but I really want to. And they were like, We hate it here. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. All right, people from Boston, you can let us know. Yeah. How you feel. Yeah. Yeah, let us know about Boston. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> Tweet us at the Poetry Gods. At What's the, the Desiree Gods. story? Yeah, yeah, so the Desiree story, I love this story because um, 
So we were at the Lillian Vernon Creative Writers Center, mm-hmm. and there was mm-hmm. a reading. Whoop, shout out to NYU. There yeah. was a reading. Um, it's cute. That's my alma mater. Isn't that Aww. cute? Um, <laughs> um, so we were there, and I was going through this like thick depression. Like It was like smog everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to this reading. Like, I don't care what else. I don't care if I lived over tomorrow. I'm going to this reading. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, uh, not Rachel Eliza, um, Nicole Therese Dutton mm-hmm. was reading, and Matthew Oldsman, and Ooh, Eduardo C. Corral. Yeah. Oh, and it was, it was amazing. Uh, like, Slow Lightning, I think it just come out. Mm-hmm, Had it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it just came out. And Love I just read um, If One of Us Should Fall. Yes. Have you read this book also? If One of Us Should Fall? Yeah. No, I haven't. I feel like you in particular would fucking love this book. Who is that? Nicole Therese Dutton. Nicole, okay. Yeah, Yeah. and John. Have you read this book? Mm -mm. I feel like you also would very much love this book. Everyone needs to read this book. She has this poem in it, Starlight Elsewhere. Yes, yes. Yo, yo, that family, the family, that weird station, that series of events will never be enough. Cast yourself off on another adventure, like fam. Mm. You are not lost. You are starlight elsewhere. elsewhere. Like. Yes. Wow. Talk about a poem you that like are you are not you lost. Are star Starlight elsewhere. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that that plus like and the family that series of events mm-hmm. that weird station will never be enough. Cast yourself off on another adventure. Like wow. she's just cast yourself off. Right, y'all. I I think adventure. of you and that cadence. And she's got this poem <laughs> gig where it's like um, she's talking about like this. She's she used to play in bands. And um, which I think is so fucking hot. It's like yes, yes you do. The That's jokers. amazing. And she would do like weddings. And she did this one wedding in the poem. I think it was of like an ex of hers. And she mm. says, "And the girl when you meet her is well ironed and kind." Mm. Like mm. ew. <laughs> Well ironed and kind on her wedding day, fam. Well oh. And she says, like, you know, uh, give him a broom job, call it out, call it, wear it out, be new. And it's just like so that's Nicole Therese Dutton and I just read her book and decided like oh I can keep being alive that's a cool idea and like which I realize is like how my depression functions it's like Mm. I'll find a book and be like I can live and then I'll like stick around a few more years I'm working on Mm. it and but we were there and you looked at me afterward and we were buying these books and you were like I know you and I was like, I know you, but I don't know how I know you. That's odd. And then we found like the urban word connection. It's like, right. oh, I must have seen you like, you know, um, orbiting around urban word land. And then you and me go and get pierogies with Nicole Therese Dutton and Matthew Olsman. Oh, and we're eating these pierogies. And I'm asking Nicole, because my checkbook was about to come out. I was like, what do you do with stuff books? Stuff? What do you do? And she's like, man, I don't know. It sounds like you have it together. And I was like, I don't ever have it together. <laughs> and and I remember being on the E-train with you afterward, after we ate all this food, mm. and you're like, well, how are you doing? I was like, pretty trash right now. Like, I'm pretty terrible. And you just listened to me like, huh, word, feel you. Like, it was... Without any, like, any thing projected mm. on me. You just listened to me. And we didn't really know 
each other like that. That was the first time, like, that yeah. we actually actually met because like yeah. we suspected that we like okay you look kind of familiar okay mm-hmm. all right but it was the first time that we really actually made a connection yeah. and it was because of this reading yeah and then, yeah pierogies and then the train and pierogies yeah. and the train the e train yeah. the e train and queens ha yeah and and yeah. but what I remember so much from that was just like and then we spent like pretty much the whole summer together yeah, yeah. oh like. yeah yeah. yeah. And, like, I remember so thoroughly just, like, the amount of eye contact. I was like, this person is looking at me. Wow. <laughs> I just realized I was doing it right, right now. God. Like, it's amazing. They're it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, their faces are, like, two inches from each other, by the way. Yeah, but, but I feel like that level of, of seeing shows up so much in your work. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'll see a poem that you have about, like, a seamstress. And I'll see, like, the thimble, the thread, the calluses on the finger. Like, I'll see wow. all of it. Um, because I think you, you have this capacity for seeing with such tenderness that, like, is, is really fucking rare, dog. Like, it wow. just is. So, wait, so where does it come from? <laughs> <laughs> Who, did you have that as a child? Like, were you an mm. observational child? <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, I'm, like, so in my feelings because uh, you're so wonderful and special okay but um yeah i think yeah i've always been kind of like in the cut that's true of like just watching i like Mm -hmm. to watch and listen and experience things but i think like i grew up really listening to stories my family they just told stories my aunt in particular would just (laughs) oh my god she told us a lot of stories to get us to behave ourselves Mm. and to not like cause a scene and they were really like horrific stories like parables or like (laughs) like parables sometimes it would be i guess folklore but then other times it would just be things that she made up and <laughs> that would be like the scariest. Yeah. Like, you know, the devil's gonna come at midnight. If you keep making noise, like you should be in bed and he's gonna come like rattling chains through the streets. Like there'd be bad details, right? Rattling chains rattling streets. Like details. So I grew up with a lot of that. Wow. And yeah, I think I like the more that I think about it now, she is like a huge part of why I write and why I write in the way that I do with the details and just like with great attention to folklore. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you know what I've been thinking about this a lot specifically in fiction, you know, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. I too get the critique of like. Hey, uh, but what does the room look like that mm. they're in? And yeah, where are yeah. they even? Yeah. And why are they only talking? <laughs> uh, and, why are they you know, like, talking? <laughs> and I do think that there's something, which is a strange critique for poets, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, yeah. for a genre that's, We're you know, hypothetically like, descriptive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> We're concerned with whatever you decided to be concerned yeah, with. Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. do you, do, does that feel natural to you? Like, what, what details are important mm. and what details mm. aren't important? Mm. Yeah. Okay, so choosing, like, what to include in there. Yeah. It's not necessarily, I don't think it's a natural thing. I think I had to learn this because I think I wanted to 
to write everything and to sort of mm. actually beautify everything mm. and just pile the descriptions on. So I had to really learn to edit a lot and to say, well, this is not this is not important to the story. It's not actually getting me to a particular point. Mm. Although right. I kind of I don't know, I still don't want to abide by that because the poet in me is like, well, does it have to get to a certain place? Like, <laughs> this is about the journey, right? right and like, right, right. I, I want to take you through these images. And so you should like revel in that. So I, I'm still really sort of deciding like, do I want to cut it out? I'll just leave it in just for the journey's sake. Mm. Mm. That resonates oh. with my favorite Desiree story. Oh no! <laughs> I am nervous! <laughs> Which is that we were like hanging out downtown somewhere with a bunch of friends, and Desiree and I both lived uptown. So we were like going to get into like an Uber together. Oh, And I was like, all right, Desiree was like, Jose, you ready to leave? You ready to leave? I was like, yeah, let's, let's bond. So I called the Uber. The Uber's like two minutes away, and then you know Desiree hears a song that she loves and she's like I can't leave right now <laughs> Desiree like goes I'm like yo Desiree the, the car is outside right now and she's like I'm concerned <laughs> I'm like doing belly rolls yeah. I'm like talking to the Uber driver I'm like look Desiree's coming it just it, we might have to wait for the journey <laughs> I don't know what the song. Yeah. I remember you being like, "All right, like you came in a few times." <laughs> I like, yeah, I was like, and I was with, I was dancing with Nabi, so yeah. Nabi yeah. is a part yeah. of this. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not only me. Shout out to Nabi. Yo, fam, this gives me another Desiree story right. of a similar <laughs> import. Yeah. Um, we were at Shrine. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, up in Harlem, yes. and I had wanted to go to Shrine for years, but Safia, shout out to Safia, was oh, like, dear. I can't go back to Shrine. <laughs> I can't go back. I've banned myself. Sure. I know many people who feel yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. But like, I love that. And I was like, oh, I get to go. You know, I, I decided like, if my if my homies won't go, then maybe I shouldn't go to this place. But right. like, we got to go, and we just danced like for hours. Yes. Like, this is also like another. So this is a love fest. This is a fucking love fest. Because this is another thing I love about you, Desiree, is that like. For me, I found, and this is shout out to Araceles, who we just had on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, another um, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Shout out Nine to years ago. <laughs> um, but she had asked a question, and if y'all are listening, you know about like what are the constants in your life? Like, what do you need to kind of be here? I think was the question. Yeah. And I thought like, oh well, dancing. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm not mm-hmm. dancing, I'm probably not well. Wow. <laughs> I'm probably mm-hmm. not okay if I'm not like in my body doing the thing. And what I love about you, Desiree, is that that's, I feel like that's also true. Like, I don't mean to impose that on you, but like, <laughs> I've, in da- I remember um, being in Tuscaloosa with you for the conversation. Desiree is another fellow. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jose, y'all had just done your reading at Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. And it was, so it was just so fire. It was so lit. Oh, my God. And I'm like, like, you know, unfortunately not in like a good place. But I was taking it in. I was just like, whoa, this is great. And at one point, I started dancing because we were like listening to music afterward. And yes. you pulled me aside and you were like, I love that you're dancing right now. Mm. I, I miss dancing with you. Mm. Like, I love that. And that was like, ha, huh, thank, yes. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, bro. 
Beautiful. Gotta hug it out. <laughs> so what? I guess we're 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 concerned on this podcast with like stories too. Like yeah, mm-hmm. and. I don't know, like, what? Are, what are you, do you feel like there are some stories from childhood that were like, mm. hey, this is a place where I see my personality forming or, like, things Ooh. that are important to me now? Or, <laughs> if not, cool. like, incepting, then, like, at play? That's huh. what it is. Do you feel like there are parts of you now that you see from childhood when you think of specific stories? And what's that story? Huh, so basically, like, what's a story from childhood, or where do I see it forming? Like a good story more than anything that preceded it. Huh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, gotta go dig it in there. I think, I don't know, like, I, when you, when you first started asking that question, I started thinking about dreams that I've had and so like the earliest part of my childhood was in Trinidad where I was born and I still actually maybe not as vividly now but I still remember some of the dreams that I had um, at that age when I lived there and I wonder if that is where some of the stories started to like what? What's a crazy dream? Oh, I can't. Oh, there's a weird. No, no, they're like really strange. But wow. yeah, because they're. I mean, they have like to do with religion and like all this stuff. And I don't know. Maybe I'll write a short story about it and I'll, I'll tell yeah, you. Man, I'm so no, curious. No. I had crazy dreams as a kid too. We'll leave that out the podcast. We'll leave that. All right, fair fair we'll get into it the podcast. Fair enough. But. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I think that's where I started to pay attention to colors and the sounds of things. But I do, I think so much of it is reception for me. And thinking about, for instance, my mom, um, at one point she had me in dance lessons and... which I actually don't really remember I don't remember being in these dance lessons at all because apparently I would just dance everywhere that she took me and so I think there was this point where I was in the grocery store or the supermarket and I was dancing to some soca song that came on the speakers and it wasn't like no kind of (laughs) very delicate dance that I was doing I was probably like whining dropping it low and my mom was like no <laughs> no no we can't we can't have this and so she she actually took me out of dance because of that right oh, yeah, yeah yeah like yeah like the rest of the class yeah. was doing with something else i'll be over here i wonder actually That's i don't so even know if this answers your question but i wonder <laughs> like what was i doing how did that look that she felt like all right i gotta we gotta like maybe take a few steps back maybe wait until you're a little older to introduce you to this art form wow <laughs> i love it oh, yeah so i think Maybe this relates back to the whole dancing thing. It was always something that I felt like I needed to do. I love it when kids 
are like all of a sudden grown ups and it makes grown ups so uncomfortable. It makes right where you're just like, wait a second. Yeah. Talk about constructing alternate realities yeah. for people. Mm. Like I think grown ups just like truly don't want to know what kids are doing. No. Mm. Because your experience of being a kid I know yeah. so many people whose experiences of being kids like are characterized by private moments that you hide from grown ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being yeah. around kids now, I'm like amazed sometimes at the things that I know probably are happening that I like don't know are happening. Like yeah. I de- like I have a poem that's like an older poem that's like and it, when I wrote it it was the only time I knew that I was admitting something. Wow. But it was uh this like when I was, you know, like three or four or whatever and like touching penises mm-hmm. with my friend or whatever and that like <laughs> weird sexual exploration of like whatever happens for kids and like it was characterized by the fact that grown-ups couldn't know and weren't supposed to know or something or like didn't want to know or something like that i don't know like and i don't know that it's i don't know that it was damaging you know i mean like obviously there are a lot of ways that that plays out where it could be but in my particular story that i'm telling about it it wasn't you know like Mm. and there's like a privacy there but you're also a kid so you're really bad at keeping secrets yeah you're like classically awful at keeping secrets yeah maybe the concept of secret just doesn't occur to you but i remember boundaries yeah or yeah i don't know this is gross i might edit this out of the body (laughs) i remember when i first started masturbating (laughs) (laughs) i I just like I didn't want to lock the door because it was a giveaway that something was happening. Like, my brain wasn't developed enough to be like, if someone touches the handle and it's locked, I was like, I don't want them to see that the door is locked. They can't come in. Because then they'll know. And it couldn't be like, it could be much worse than that. And just the thought is like worse than them walking in and seeing it in the act. I don't know why I think that, like, I mean, obviously that's not you dancing in front of a mirror. Uh, I probably will edit that out, but... There, I don't know, like, the relationship of adults to kids, and when you look at kids and go, whoop, nope, yeah, <laughs> nope, we're scooping you out of this dance class, oh, or yeah, we're, God, like, right. getting you out of here right. because you're too old. can't do this right now. Yeah. Right. I guess I do remember when I started constructing stories, and I did it with my cousin, Brian, and we actually used to create these books. So we used to have these little copy books that probably every little kid in the Caribbean has, and they fold in at the center and so you can rip out the middle section and it's connected and so we would like take out a few pages stick them together and then we would illustrate them on the cover and then write these stories and one of the stories that i wrote was called the woman of pride and the woman of shame mm-hmm. i don't know Ooh, what wow. i was doing writing Ill title. writing such material, but we wrote it. <laughs> Look out and, for the debut novel, Woman of Pride, Woman of Shame, coming from Desiree Bailey. And we used to sell it at our primary school. So we used wow. to sell it. We used to sell them for a quarter. Wow. And I remember, I remember 
my cousin Brian had a crush on this girl and he gave her one for free Ooh. and I was so pissed yeah. at him. I was just like, this is our business. It's like, your money. <laughs> this is my money. Yo, you were grown forever. That's so funny. You were grown forever. Don't play with my money. I need to bust out the copy. Who's going to cover that quarter? You got a quarter? Find me a quarter. Give me a quarter. Oh my God. That's so good. Yeah, that reminds me of me and my friend Colin. Shout out mm. to Colin. Um, we were at Miss Lil's daycare center uh-huh. where I got notoriously bullied because I was a very oh. dorky black person and they were very cool black people and mm. I was very perturbed. But what I loved was that me and Co- I was perturbed and what I might have said that and it might have come out. And then that's the rule right there that's the rule the girl you are not speaking to your audience (laughs) me and Colin would sit up and write these stories like would type up these stories we'd be like yo we're writing a book like this is ill and like he would type a paragraph I would type a paragraph and it was just like the most joyful thing I have no idea where that document is but for like a couple months we were just like writing the great American novel and there's something about like that that companion, that partner in crime, Brian, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. who like made the thing real. Yes, you know? yes, and it stays with you. Absolutely, that collaboration and like the investment that you feel mm-hmm. like collaborating and being involved in something together. Yeah, and then this is your gift, yeah. but also like something that you can you know get a little something. Also back. pay me. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Come on, Brian. Yeah. Come on, Brian. <laughs> you know better. We, than that. you know, we worked it out. We worked it out. Yeah. He's, he's cool. I'm cool. He sells so, you a yeah. quarter. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. That's true. Word. Mm. Um, okay. Come on. Should we, uh, Desiree? Would you mind sharing a poem with us? Yeah. Oh, it's over so soon. Oh, they always end so soon. They do you know? end so soon. Yeah, that was quick. I used to be the one who was like really into the time of it. Now. You were. You know? mm. I never was. You know, I was like, let's let's keep making these jokes. Four hours. <laughs> let's make them longer. Four hours later. I know. Uh, so listen up, y'all. Wherever you're at in the world, you know what I mean. You could be brushing your teeth. Yep. You could be in the car blasting this podcast real loud on uh-huh. I ninety four. That if you're Please in a car, you turn down turn the windows, the volume. You know what I mean. If you got earbuds in, you, you know what I mean. You to. to find somebody, share an <laughs> earbud, be like, listen. I need you yeah. to listen in right now because yeah. something very special is about to happen. You know Especially what I mean? this is coming out in May, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, like, it's nice outside. Right. Summertime right. 2017. And also, also this is what? a world premiere. Yeah. Brand new Desiree Bailey what? bars. Yeah. Turn the, roll the windows down. You're riding <laughs> out Never there in your Corolla. You're, in your you're, Jeep. you're getting something special. Also, you know Toyota, I mean? you should sponsor us since yeah, we said for the real. word hey, listen, true. Back in the day, I used to drive a Toyota Tercel. And, it hey. was, and it contemporarily, I drive a Toyota Corolla. Whoa! Ooh, I had an old, that. rusted 89 Toyota Camry. Mine was it an would 89 s- Toyota Tercel. Really? Mm, yeah. wow. uh, so this one would stall out in traffic always oh, when baby. I was turning left yes. with like oncoming traffic heading oh, no. towards the car and it That's would just exciting. like the engine would just stop and you'd have to be like 
I really hope it turns back on. Wow. Listen, that just provides a little excitement. Also, I had to get from point A to point B. A little bit of adrenaline. Yeah, thank you, Toyota, for providing us. Yeah, shout out to Toyota. Toyota, for that one. Please sponsor us. For that story, Toyota, I actually don't love you. I know, I was about to say, we're not again. Toyota, you need to get together. Sponsor us. But also, everybody in the world. Uh, please put your hands together to get real loud. Give all your energy, all your love Do to it. Desiree Bailey. Yeah. So this is called <laughs> Miracle, tentatively, because it's still a work in yeah. progress. Mm-hmm. They will say miracle when what they mean is thirst. Mm. The tongue jettying, awaiting a runaway fist of rain. Miracle. When what they mean is war song, learn by limb, before the capture, sweet mixing of herb before the capture, soldiers, head nodded with coordinates, strategy of flame, the haunt, the memory of how the bird taunts the river with its mm. wing, and a sweet free thrust in a moon-drunk room, the juices seeping into mattress, into coconut fiber, fermenting. Miracle of breath and blood, miracle of a haunting. Freedom never forgets its clumsy owner. It stalks her until she can no longer sleep for want of the sea, until she stoops over a pot sweetening the rice, until poison floats like a fly in the tea. Freedom, ruthless siren, hurl and shriek louder than a dream. No. Like, can I see that? Can you please send this to me? I will. Okay. Like, like for real. I will. Like now. This is what I wrote when. This was. Yeah. This is what I wrote. Yo, fact. So me and Desiree send each other poems and shit, and send each other fiction and shit. And this is what she wrote when I sent her something. She sent me this. What the fuck? Oh Oh, my god. Uh, Desiree, where can the people find you? They can find me at. Yeah, like, let me think no. about that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, do you I want to be like, do 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 I Carla with a C. Right. At Desiree Carla. Uh, and are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I'm getting back into Twitter. And that is also Desiree C. Bailey. Okay, there you go. All right. And uh, you know who else you should follow on Twitter? Who? Because I don't think he's going to say it uh, on his own because he's a very modest person. Yeah. But, you know, Jose is really one of the best <laughs> he's very Twitter follows Twitter. that you could have. He's very good at Twitter. I check Twitter literally just to find out what Jose said when I have three minutes left. Yeah. I like them all and then I get off Twitter. Okay? You and know, he could be that for you. If you, yeah. I mean, you probably know. If you've listened to the podcast, you probably already know this. But you should be following Jose. You should it's follow really Aziza and I as well. Yes. I mean, you know, here's the thing. You can follow me. I always love a new follow. But... I don't, I'm not such a Twitter head, you know what I mean? So, like, you can follow me, and that'll be great, and I'll, like, retweet some good shit. Yeah, you're just gonna see Jose's tweets again. Mostly, yeah. You know? Because we'll yeah. retweet Jose. 
I really love retweeting. I'll say, I really love liking things that are tweeted at me. Yeah. I'm just not a very active Twitter. That's creature. true. I have to admit. Why is that? I freeze okay, up. Here's Honestly, I yeah. freeze up. Somebody says something to me. If yeah. you've like said something to me on Twitter and then you haven't gotten a response, it's literally because I hit reply. I typed out like four words. I deleted them. I like ran something by Maggie and she was like, that sounds weird. Okay, I give up. <laughs> like. Yeah, right. You know what it is for me is that, and this is something I realized that like I didn't share on the podcast literally a year ago, but um, I think I reached my Twitter peak or what I've decided my Twitter peak was. Because huh? oh. I woke up one day and Lynn Manuel Miranda. Had tweeted, um, had tweeted something about like the trains, mm-hmm. and I responded, and I was like, "The trains are fucking weird, dog, totally." And he was like, "Right? Why are they so fucking weird?" And we had this whole like back and forth conversation, like six tweets or some. Wow. And then, and that was my that's morning. A conversation. That was my. That's a yeah. whole six last tweets. conversation. That's, that's a, that's a yeah. conversation. That you all know each other. I think we know each other. <laughs> and here's the thing, Lynn Manuel, if you are listening, um, surely you must be. You listening. must be listening. <laughs> yeah, you I really love your work. Um, I'm also like kind of getting into this play scene. So you should come through to Chicago and Steppenwolf and see my play Blacks in a little bit. But I feel like that conversation with Lynn Manuel about the train and about who the fuck operates the train. That was the conversation. Like who literally does this? Um, And and then we started talking about like the Matrix and started talking about like systems of oppression. And then I got off of Twitter. And I feel like once I did that, Twitter had lost all use to me. <laughs> I was wow. good. Yeah. 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 And Lynn Manuel somewhere is like, man, where does this go? And um, mm. it's true. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> if, you're, if you're out there, you're wondering where Aziza went, you can find Aziza at <laughs> the Poetry Gods, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, you can email yes. us. You can, listen, Lynn, you can email mm-hmm. us, you yeah. know what I mean? If you're like, yo, I really wish the Poetry Gods would come see Hamilton. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we have free tickets. I would wish to see Hamilton. Right. Right. John really I loves do. Hamilton I do. Lot. John yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Sans loves Hamilton. I've not seen it. I've not yet. seen it either. I haven't seen it either, and I would listen. love to. I would yes. love to yeah. see it. So listen, Lynn, if you're, Lynn. If you're listening, just yeah. email us. We mm-hmm. are... Email the poetry gods at gmail.com. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, we would love to check out the play. We've heard good things. We've you know heard mean? very good things. We I know would it's also a small love to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We think you're a, an incredibly great speaker. Yes. And, you know, Open pass. Listen, if come you want to come on the poetry gods, yeah. you we'll discuss. look at our schedule. We'll definitely look at our schedule. At yeah. least. You know what I mean? We'll come to you. We'll come to you. Also, if you're listening to this. You know you want to try this pesto. Come on. You got some of the hummus emporium. Let's it's be real. True. You it's gotta true. try this out. It's true. Uh, and uh, if you're listening to this and you're, you know, a great event organizer mm-hmm. or a college student and you're daydreaming about how this could happen right in front of you, it could. Mm-hmm. We just a few months ago uh, sat down with Patricia Smith Ooh. at Vassar College. Ooh, it was God. unbelievable. Hopefully, yes. you've already Shout listened to, to the episode. Uh, and you know. If you want to reach out to us, we can brainstorm with you what a Poetry Gods interview could look like on your campus, in front of you, and a workshop. It'd be, it'd be terrific, and you should. You should email yeah. us, because really... We shall make it happen. Yeah, yep. it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jose. Yeah, that's... You want to play a song? Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's get out of here. All right. Thank you very much. Because we can stay here all And week. another thing. And Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Mish, 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 Mish hasn't even said anything yet. Mish. <laughs>
Come yeah. on, wake up. We don't know who's make a on the show now. <laughs> the Make a Mish Foundation. Here we go. What do they know? They don't. They don't. They just don't. don't know. It's the black tone that don't know. Uh-uh. You know, uh-uh. 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 Get to know me. Let's go. Get to know me. Diamonds, but I might toss an heavy head hole like I am a sand.